Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 461. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, a global report shows where Australia ranks in the digital world. Optus has claimed the title as Australia's fastest 5G network and what we can expect to see at Samsung's upcoming smartphone event. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new NanoLeaf Elements smart lights panels. We'll also take a listen to the LG tone-free earphones that can kill bacteria. And JBL has released the Charge 5 Bluetooth speaker that can go anywhere. And your tech questions will be answered in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, Australia is generally regarded as a pretty tech-savvy nation, and I, I, I think that myself. I, I reckon we're pretty tech-savvy. We're, we're early adopters of technology. We do like to uh, be the first. I think the reason, one of the reasons why I think Australia lives so far away from the rest of the world, the communication is a very important technology, so thereby mobile phones, the internet, that's kind of what we've really embraced, and uh, th- that's that's shown through the years that, that we are pretty pretty uh, advanced in terms of adoption of technology, the number of people that use technology, the types of technology we use. So it was really interesting to see this new global stat shot report, which was commissioned by We Are Social and Hootsuite. Now, what these these do? This report that they compare different countries on things like cellular and internet speeds, use of voice assistance, how many podcasts we listen to, smart home device ownership, how many video games we play, things like that, online news consumption. So it really does pit us against the rest of the world. And you'll be surprised where we rank in in certain areas there. But overall, the report says that there are 527 billion mobile phone users in the world and that 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 makes up 66.9% of the population of of the planet earth uh, mobile phone users now the internet is actually used by less people 4.8 billion globally or 60.9% of the population that i think that they're referring to fixed broadband so you got to think about the number of people who have a mobile phone, probably for many people around the world, their first taste of the internet probably came 
from a mobile device. So that, that's the, the, the reason mobile phone usage is so high is that was easier for customers. You think about all the various countries of the world where connection is easier through a mobile device than fixed broadband connections. Uh, moving along, around the world, there are 4.48 billion social media users. That means that 56.8% of the world population, the world population is, is, is put at 7.87 billion people. So more than half, 56.8% of the world is on social media. Well, that's why I'd say popular, I guess. But in terms of the percentage of the population that uses the internet, Australia uh, has 91% was the figure, and we rank equal 18th in the world in terms of the sheer number of people using the internet. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Mobile internet connection speeds, Australia ranked fifth in the world. Our average speed was 127.14 megabits per second. Top spot went to the United Arab Emirates, where the top average speed on mobile was 193.51 megabits per second. So they've, they've uh, really moved, moved ahead of us right there. But we rank fifth in the world. That's not bad. Now, here's where we take a bit of a dip. Australians, we're talking now about the averaged fixed internet connection speeds, and I can hear you people complaining about their internet and NBN not being as fast as they liked and not offering those much faster speeds. Well, in this, in this category, we did really take a hit. Our average speed of fixed internet connection is 106.61 megabits per second. That's, that's way less than our average mobile speed. So mobile speed's 127.14. Average speed of fixed internet, 106.61. And that ranks us 32nd in the world. So we are down the list. It, it's not it's not the first time you've probably heard that when it comes to global fixed mobile fixed internet speeds that Australia is well down the list. There's been many a story or a report I've written about that Australia ranks below some other countries uh, that are obviously a lot smaller than Australia. I think that that's kind of the the catch with that stat is that. Many of the nations who have those faster internet fixed connection speeds are from much smaller countries. So it's it's less of a task to roll out their version of the national broadband network. You think of countries in Europe, for example, or uh, in, in, in Southeast Asia, countries like Korea and Japan are much smaller uh, in terms of land, land size than, than Australia. Population is quite high, but just the, the sheer size of their nations are a lot smaller than Australia. So that may be why we're down the list a little bit. But 32nd in the world, I think uh, we could have done a little bit better then. Now, in terms of using voice assistants like Siri, Alexa, Google, 
Australia ranked 18th in the world with 19.3% of Australians using one of these voice assistants. The report also asked respondents between 16 and 34 who has listened to or watched a podcast in the past week. And hopefully you, thankfully you're listening to me right now, so you're a podcast listener. The result was 18.7% of Australians listen to podcasts regularly. And that places us 15th in the world. Australia also ranked in the top 10 when it came to smart home device ownership with 15.6%. Now, when it comes to playing games, the report also showed that 23.5% of Australians who play video games play daily, with 73% of those who do play games weekly, which is uh, below the global average. Now, the global report says that there are 22.82 million internet users in Australia as of January 2021. Uh, So that, that figure has stayed pretty steady Uh, in the last few years. Internet penetration stood uh, as of January 2021 at 89%. So that's the 22.8 million internet users, which is 89% of the population. Now, Aussies, we love social media. 20.5 million social media users as of January this year. And that figure pretty steady between 2020 and 2021. That means that the number of users active on social media is the equivalent of 79.9% of the total population. Now, if you cast your mind back to the start of this segment where across the world, it's 56, just over 56% of the world population is on social media. Australia, we are above average there. So we're we're close to 80% of our total population active on social media, not just to have a social media account, but is active on social media. Really interesting stats there. Uh, if you want to check them out more, the global stat shot from We Are Social and Hootsuite. If you want to see that complete report, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. Well, when it comes to 5G, we spoke in the previous segment about the world, this World Digital Report and where Australia ranks. We are pretty high in terms of the average mobile speeds. Well, here in Australia, Optus has just won the title as Australia's fastest 5G network. So uh, kudos to them. That's a, a pretty pretty big title, and it was awarded to them for independently of this independent benchmarking company called Ookla. Uh, they have the uh, the speed test app. I'm sure plenty of you have used that app when you, when you maybe see 5G on your phone. You wanted to give it a speed test. I know I've done that plenty of times. Did you know that every time you do that, I think you use, someone was saying it's like a, a gigabyte of data or 10, 10, it's either 10 megabytes or something r- ridiculously high. I don't know which is true. But anyway, the Ookla speed test app is what was used to measure and compare 5G mobile speeds from all providers across Australia in the first two quarters of 2021. So what Ookla did, they analysed the data from more than 330,000 user-initiated 5G speed results, so speed test results. So you could have contributed to one of them doing a speed test on your particular network. And what it showed, it showed that Optus achieved a median download speed of 323 megabits per second. 
which is the fastest of any provider, including faster than Telstra. Uh, they also, Optus also had the best latency result of 18 milliseconds. That's the thing with 5G is latency. And, and there is speeds, one thing, of course, and Optus have got the title here, 323 megabits per second on average. But latency is another benefit of 5G where... If I press a button on one side of the 5G network, then the reaction will occur, in Optus's case, in 18 milliseconds on the other side of the network. That's what latency is all about. On 4G, that would be probably a couple of seconds. That's the difference between 4G and 5G. But anyway, Telstra recently, you probably heard on, on, on this show, that they had just crossed the 75% coverage threshold for 5G in Australia. So... Telstra may have the widest, the the biggest footprint in terms of 5G coverage, but Optus has the fastest median speed. Now, I did write back in February, there was another independent report uh, published by Systemics Benchmarking, uh, which showed that in December 2020, so they went out and did some tests, Telstra coverage was seen in 78% of the tests. So they had the widest coverage. So 78% of the time where they were looking for 5G for this independent report, this this benchmarking, they found a Telstra network. Compared to Optus, where they only found Optus 5G 48% of the time. So Telstra's claim of having this wider network it has, been, has been validated by their own admission. They're 75%. But this report back in December, it was published in February, but conducted in December last year, showed Optus was way ahead. So from those figures, it showed that Optus was 78, uh, about around 75%. Optus were, were about 50%. But that same independent report also concluded what UCLA has concluded here. And their conclusion with that op- was that Optus had the fastest average download speed of 362 megabits per second compared to Telstra's 295 megabits per second. So that speed that they, the fastest average download speed back in December from from the systemics benchmarking was 362 megabits per second. So more recently, Optus won the title with actually a lower average download speed of 323 megabits per second. So Optus are all about speed, Telstra all about coverage. I think uh, the you judge for yourself. Are you a customer? Are you an Optus customer? Are you happy with 5G? Do you get a lot of 5G? I'm a Telstra customer and I see 5G quite a bit. Not at my own house, but up the road I get 5G and, and all around the place. But uh, Telstra most definitely has a bigger 5G footprint. But in this instance, Opta has won the race, the speed test. Uh, they've got their been awarded the fastest 5G network in Australia. 323 megabits per second median download speed. Pretty impressive. Are you a customer? Are you a Telstra customer? Are you a Vodafone customer? Vodafone, their 5G network is building, obviously not at the same pace as Optus and Telstra, but in this case, Optus has taken out the title as Australia's fastest 5G network. If you want to read more about that story, check it out at techguide.com.au. Alrighty, well, Samsung has confirmed an event for August the 12th. Now, well, that's August 12th, Sydney time, so at the stroke of midnight, so once August 11 turns into August 12th, that's when the event will kick off uh, at the Samsung website and also on its YouTube channel. So it'll be live streamed 
on the on Samsung and on YouTube. And this is an event that is they've made no secret of the fact it is going to be about phones. But even even more information has been given up on the actual announcement poster, where it says "Get ready to unfold." So it's pretty obvious that this is going to be a folding smartphone launch. In fact, on the invitation, if you'd like, or on the announcement poster, there is what appears to be a Galaxy Fold uh, shaped device. And then on the other side is a slimmer, smaller Galaxy Z Flip device, which uh, they're the two devices in the Galaxy family of foldable smartphones. We spoke a few weeks back about the rumours around these folding devices and they have been coming thick and fast. In fact, the rumours have kind of crystallised a little bit further and what we can expect to see is obviously the Galaxy Z Fold 3 and the Galaxy Z Flip 3. So the, the Flip 3 is the smaller of the two. The Fold the Fold 3 is the flagship smartphone, the most expensive smartphone. But there is a lot of noise around the fact that the new Fold is going to include the S Pen. You know, the S Pen is the staple product, the, the signature product or, or feature of the Galaxy Note range of devices. So what what... The two big questions here is, A, will the S Pen now become part of the Fold family? The likelihood is high because the rumours are really strong. And the other question is, will Samsung still produce the Galaxy Note in its present form? So there's two questions that, that I've asked. And I've come to the conclusion that the Galaxy Note as we know it, as a standalone, regular-looking smartphone, I think we will not see that again. I think what's going to happen, Samsung will release two Galaxy Z Fold devices. So the they will have the Galaxy Z Fold Note, and that's the product that, are, that will come with the S Pen. So according to the leaks and rumours, this device will have a slightly smaller display than last year on the front, slightly smaller centre display uh, in, uh, when you open up the device, and that is to accommodate the S Pen. Because on the Galaxy Note, the S Pen slides up into the chassis of the phone so you can store it, and then whenever you need it, you just click it out and, and then you can use it. My information is that the screens will be slightly smaller to accommodate the S Pen, but there will be, in my opinion, a second Fold device as well. And it may be called the Fold Lite, the Fold 4, I don't know what they're going to call it, but it will be a a more affordable version of the Fold that won't have the S Pen. So I reckon S Pen will make it a premium Fold, so it'll be the Fold slash Note product, but the regular Fold will be perhaps slightly cheaper. Now, last year when they released the Galaxy Z Fold 2, it was priced at $2,999, which is, let's face it, not virtually out of the reach of everybody. But I think what, what Samsung planned to do here is still offer that premium, top-of-the-line, Note Fold, does-everything, S Pen model, but also then provide an affordable alternative or, or a more affordable alternative. I'm talking perhaps the Note Fold will be 3000 bucks, 
but the Galaxy regular Fold may be $2,200. It might be a much, much cheaper. If it's under $2,000, I think that'll be a miracle, but it could be maybe $2,199. Who knows? It'll be closer to that $2,000 mark. I think that's where if if they really want to differentiate the models, that's how they can do it. Have the S Pen, all the note functionality, all the bells and whistles in that top-line model, and there'll be plenty of customers who want to, would want to buy that because that's another thing about the Galaxy Fold, the, sorry, the Galaxy Note phones, was they had this amazingly loyal base of customers. That there were, you cast your mind back to the Fold, the sorry, the Galaxy Note Seven. Remember the Note Seven and all the dramas with that, and how they had to recall it and eventually cancelled cancelled the model and it was a massive story. You couldn't get on a plane with a, with the Note Seven. It was just disastrous. But then a year later, when they made, they returned with the Note 8. So there was another Note. And they had this reel. I can remember this this reel of customers who were in tears of, for having to give up the Note 7. And, the, and because it was cancelled, they were so close to this product, they had an emotional connection with it. So when the note, the next note came out, they had these same customers who were so relieved. It was like, it was like the second coming for them. They, they were so happy to see the note return. So I think Samsung is going to tap into that sentiment. They're going to have those customers who are, have shown in the past they're willing to spend big money for a good phone. I think this could be the hook to get them into a foldable smartphone. Now, on the on the other side, on the, I was going to say on the flip side, which is actually what it is, on the Galaxy Z Flip, uh, there is going to be very little in terms of design change. I think what you're going to see, and the Flip is the phone that folds open in half. So you, you fold it open, it looks like a regular phone. You fold it in half, it looks like a tiny little product that you can fit in your pocket, fit in your bag. But the previous model had a really small front screen, minuscule. You could barely read the time on it. What we're going to see, I think, this time out is a much larger front screen on the Galaxy Flip 3. The Galaxy Z Flip 3 will have a screen much bigger than before, big enough for you to read text messages, reply to text messages, see who's calling, notifications, all of those things. So you better do more on the front without actually having to open the flip. I think that's the sort of the Galaxy Z Fold, the larger phone is more for your multitasker, content creator, content consumer. So that sort of higher end customer. Whereas the Flip 3 is kind of more for fashion conscious, design conscious customers as well. So I think that's the differentiation we're going to see right there. Now the other products we're likely to see at the Galaxy, this un- unpacked event, they've called it Galaxy Unpacked again. And uh, the, it won't be just about folding phones. I think we're also going to see a couple of new smartwatches. The Galaxy Smartwatch, uh, the Galaxy Watch 4 and the Galaxy Watch Active 4. Uh, likely to be introduced on uh, on at on that event during that event, and the rumours are there will be a slight redesign to the devices, as well as and and this is this rumour has been around for a while not only for Samsung but also for Apple. There's talk there's going to be a glucometer, which can measure blood sugar. So how how that's going to work we don't know, but if if it's someone who needs to monitor their blood sugar, like you might be a diabetic, then there could be a feature on this watch 
that can do that for you. And, and the rumours are the same for the, the next Apple Watch that may have that feature also. Uh, there's also a sensor that will be able to measure body fat and muscle mass. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to be reminded about that every day, so I might be turning that one off. But there's also, too, the possibility we'll see some new Galaxy Buds earphones, which are due for a refresh anyway. Uh, Samsung always do a, a bit of a Bud update, and this is uh, likely to happen during this event as well. The event, August 12, at the stroke of midnight, so let's say 12.01 a.m., August 12, these are when these announcements are going to be made, and we'll have it all covered for you like a tarpaulin at Tech Guide. But if you want to read the announcement and some leaked images that I've included with that story, you know where to go, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. If you're an online gamer, you want the best performance while still helping to maintain your computer security. And that's exactly what Norton 360 for Gamers offers. The patented game optimizer technology can help maximize gaming performance while still helping to maintain the level of security you've come to expect from Norton LifeLock. Game Optimizer can free your PC from power-hungry programs running in the background that eat up your system resources and help you get more performance out of your rig. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or just a casual player, Norton 360 for Gamers helps provide multiple layers of protection for your devices, game accounts and digital assets. Norton 360 for Gamers also includes features that help protect against cyber threats including malware and webcam takeovers. If you want to help ensure all the maximum computing power of your system is allocated to the game for maximum performance while still helping to maintain maximum protection, then put Norton 360 for Gamers on your team. Listeners of the Tech Guide podcast will receive a 50% discount to a year's subscription of Norton 360 for Gamers by using the promo code TECHGUIDE when they visit au.norton.com forward slash techguide. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off the reviews this week is a product from Nanoleaf. Now, Nanoleaf, they've been around for a while. They are the creators of the various shapes and panels that go on, on your wall. So those triangular shapes and hexagonal shapes and square shapes that stick on your wall. You can create these amazing patterns and designs and they are all actually lights and you can control them wirelessly from the companion app and have all kinds of fun, set up different scenarios, set a different mood and atmosphere in your room. So you may want a bright light to focus or a, a sunset light to relax. So it gives you all of those options. Well, Nanoleaf has just released their brand new light panels called Elements. Now, elements have a wood finish to the panel. So previous nanoleaf panels were just white. So on your wall, when they're turned off, all you see is these white shapes on your wall. But in the case of the nanoleaf elements, with that wood grain finish, they've got a nice look and texture to them. So they look good whether they're on or off. So these can be placed anywhere in your home and to go with any kind of decor as well. Uh, but then, like the other earlier models of the Nanoleaf, once, once they're turned on, you can, you can have all kinds of fun. So they can, like the others, can be organised in any number of shapes, any number of the designs. The, the initial pack comes with seven panels, so seven hexagonal-shaped panels. You can, 
if you want to, buy an expansion pack, which has three additional panels. So you can get a nice even uh, 10 panels if you want to get the expansion pack as well. So more panels means a bigger arrangement and uh, more options. So seven with the with the initial pack, the starter pack, and three additional with the expansion pack. And like all the previous light panels, they are really easy to put together as well. So on the back of, of each panel is a removable clip. So what, what you do initially, the clip is fastened to the panel. There is a small double bit of double-sided tape on the back. So when you stick it onto the wall, if you do, do need to later on remove the panel, the little clip actually stays stuck to the wall, but the panel can be popped off that little clip. Uh, so you can then, if you need to maybe attach another clip or maybe change the shape or whatever, you still have the basic layout, but the, the panels are a lot more accessible. To, to remove a panel was a bit of work before. You'd have to unstick the whole thing. But now with this removable clip, the, the once the clip is on the wall, you can actually detach the panel from that clip and then just as easily clip it back on again. There are also small joining clips as well. These connect the panels together so that the the, the power can pass through each of the panels. So you kind of need to link them up like, like drawing a line through a maze. They, they, it is really easy to set up. One panel leads to the other. The other panel then connects to another panel. It's kind of like you know your hip bone's connected to your knee bone, your thigh bone, thigh bone's connected to your knee bone, and so on. That's how you set up the nano leaf panels, similar to way to that. So one clip connects to another panel, then that clip, then that panel connects to another panel, and so on and so forth. But bottom line is really easy to set up, really easy to get these moving. And there are pictures on Tech Guide of uh, my arrangement, actually in my studio here where I'm recording the podcast and also where I shoot all my videos. Uh, there's a lovely now arrangement of 10 element panels that will be seen behind me in all my videos and also in the corner. I do have the other shapes, the, he the hexa hexagons and triangles and small triangles in the corner. You'll see them as well. But the nano leaf elements though, that wood finish really does add a nice touch to them. They, they, they look a little bit more suitable to your decor. So who doesn't like wood finishes? I, I've got a lot of furniture with wood finish. Now I've got some element panels on the wall that also offer that wood finish. But anyway, once you finish setting up, once you've arranged them on the wall, they're stuck on the wall, they're connected to power, that's when the fun begins. And you can set up the panels, link them then to your Wi-Fi using the NanoLeaf app. And it's really easy process. You, you scan a little a little QR code on, and aren't we used to scanning QR codes right now? Uh, you scan a little QR code on the power brick uh, or on the packaging or in the instructions, and that then helps you identify the, the, the elements. So if you want to pop them, if you're an iPhone user, it's really easy to add them to HomeKit. So having them on HomeKit will get, create uh, uh, the way for you to not only organise all your smart devices, but also uh, allow you then later on to not only control from the HomeKit app, but also to control them, if you're an iPhone user, with your voice. So whatever you call them in HomeKit, you can then talk to Siri and then you turn them on, turn them off, do whatever you want. Uh, you can also set routines like having them come on when you get when you get home or turn off when you go to bed, little things like that. There are also 
heaps of different patterns and designs and not only are there plenty in the app but you can also create your own scenes whether you want different colors and patterns and and they even react to music and everything so there are plenty of those that are already in the app i think there's 11 presets in the app but thousands more out in the community so if you want to get out and, and see what someone else has come up with the, the the other users put it out there. You can then download that to your app as well and you can then enjoy that particular preset that, that's been created. There's even, I really like this feature, there's even a circadian rhythm feature. So what, it, what that means, it syncs the elements panel's light temperature with the natural sunlight so that it'll be obviously bright at noon and then it'll, it'll, it'll fade out and sort of become like a sunset colour. So what that does subconsciously, it helps balance our body's natural rhythms. So even in the evening, it, it'll, it'll, it'll go darker like a sunset and then eventually it, when it's time to go to bed, they'll probably turn off for you. So uh, really cool uh, feature there. So the circadian rhythm feature. As I said, you can also create thousands of your own scenes if you want to. Bottom line, a lot of fun, easy to control through your phone with your voice, uh, and you do get to create a, an amazing canvas of light if you want to be creative. And same deal applies for the other. If you want to go for more colours and to have a bit brighter, bolder light, uh, just to, so it to be a light source, perhaps the other, the previous Nano Leaf panels would suit you. So these, having the wood finish, you're not going to get as bright and white as the other, the, the regular panels, but these do look incredible nonetheless. That wood finish really is a nice touch. It really gives a whole new look and feel to the panels. The Nano Leaf elements, if you want to check them out, you can see them at techguide.com.au. Moving on, we're talking about the LG Tone Free FN7. Now, my headline on my story, I think, maybe caught a few eyes. It said, earphones that can cancel ambient noise and kill bacteria. And that's exactly what they can do. I think everyone, there are so many wireless earphones on the market, and LG have really come up with a point of difference. For a start, without without the UV nano self-cleaning technology, which is what they've got on board, Even without that, these are really, really interesting earphones. For a start, they've now added active noise cancellation. This is the second model of the Tone Freeze. We spoke, I think, a year ago about the previous model. The Tone Free FN7 now has active noise cancellation. So you're killing noise and killing bacteria all in one. Now, these were created in partnership with Meridian, the really, really famous uh, British audio company that LG has been partnering with for several years now. The earphones have a six millimeter driver unit on board and have been tuned to offer really cool clarity. And I've got to say, one of the best sounding bass responses I've heard on a pair of earphones. If you're into your bass, then this really produces thumping bass. I really enjoyed it. Only downside I found of this, of the only downside at all, is I reckon they could be a touch louder. Just maybe at the top end, just give me another few decibels of volume and it would have, it would have been not good, it would have been great. So I, I think overall, and, and I've rated them pretty high on my, on my review, overall sound quality is awesome. I think Meridian's approach to that is it, it's kind of like a chef wouldn't pour a whole bottle of tomato sauce on what they've just cooked. 
they, they prefer for you to just enjoy the flavours of the food, that is, I think, why you can't turn it up too loud. They don't want you to spoil the clarity and quality of, of the sound. So less is more. I can understand that. So if volume, if you don't want to just have them at the high, maybe I'm going deaf, I don't know. If you don't want to have these at the highest volume, then I think you're going to really like the sound of these. These really sound impressive. And sound... You could compare these to to earphones that are way more expensive. You know the Bose and Sony's and those other you know Bowles and Wilkins and all those brands that are five hundred, six hundred bucks. These are half that price, less than half that price, but still really hold their own uh, for that audio quality. Uh, now let's talk about that UV Nano self cleaning technology for a minute there, because uh, it, it is a thing. And when you when you open up the case, you'll see behind the earphones, this bluey, purple-coloured light uh, at the back there. That is the UV Nano self-cleaning technology kicking off. But they do need for you to have the case closed to perform the full clean. Full clean takes about 10 minutes. So say you've finished at the gym or in a walk or you were just listening to your music, whatever, pop them back in the case close the lid, and even when you're charging, I think you have to be charging as well for the, for the UV nanotechnology to be working, uh, it'll take just 10 minutes for you to to get rid of all the bacteria. And it, it says it kills 99.9% of bacteria. That 0.01%, I don't know what it is. It's pretty solid if they can't kill that. But anyway, 99.9%, close enough for me. Uh, that's what The bacteria, apparently, your ears carry uh, can carry a lot of bacteria. They're saying that... The, your ear can have more bacteria than a kitchen bench, would you believe? So uh, the, don't be putting anything in your ear and then eating it later. Ugh, that sounds disgusting. But anyway, the UV Nano self-cleaning technology, the only one of its kind on the market from LG, which uh, will clean all the bacteria. But let's get back to the audio quality, though. The app gives you plenty of control here. So if you want to maybe tweak the equalizer a little bit, there's a couple of uh, presets. So you might want to have a bass boost or a, uh, you might want to have a more natural sound, treble boost. There's also two custom settings. So you can customize your own equalizer as well if you prefer to have that. Uh, as well. So that gives you a little bit more control. They also have ambient sound. So you've got your active noise cancellation, which is kind of, you know, shuts off the rest of the world. But there is also the option for ambient sound because there are times where you do need to hear the outside world. You do need to hear you hear someone if they come up to talk to you or you, you might want to hear, you might be on a walk or a run, you want to hear if there's cars or traffic around you. I think it's, it's, it's probably safer to have that ambient sound turned on so you can hear the rest of the world. Uh, noise cancelling, probably when you're sitting down safe and, and you, you're on a, maybe on a bus or a train or uh, on a plane, hopefully one day soon, or you just want to just, just shut out the outside world, then noise cancelling, of course that's going to be the option. But in terms of using these earphones out in the world where you might be working, walking near a busy road or you might be with people, then having ambient sound turned on, I think, is the way to go. Now, on the battery side, these are pretty impressive. They, they do offer 
up to seven hours of, of use on a single charge, which is pretty good when you think about it. Seven hours of battery life from just the buds and a further 14 hours from the charging case. So that's 21 hours of playback. And the charging case is quite small. I really like it that it's uh, it's it's pocketable, I call it. Very small case allows you to have that additional charge and also, of course, that UV cleaning, don't forget, uh, from that charging case as well. It's IPX4 rated, I should tell you as well. So it can handle, if you're out in the rain or sweating it out in the gym, uh, you IPX4 rating means you've got no worries about anything going wrong. So uh, the LG FN7, the tone-free FN7, with the UV nanotechnology, don't forget, kills bacteria and uh, does kill outside ambient noise as well. 229 bucks. I think that's a really good price. They're Meridian uh, as well, don't forget. So these have been tuned pretty nicely. I think you'll be impressed with the audio quality and the bass. The bass is pretty cool. Also, it makes pretty clear phone calls too. I get a lot of people asking me for recommendations of earphones that make good phone calls in terms of call quality. In, the, in this case, there are two microphones at the top which are for your noise-cancelling duties. But there is a, because it does have a bud and stalk design. I should have mentioned that at the top. So at the bottom of the stalk, so it looks like an ear, ear pod, an AirPod. At the bottom of the stalk is another microphone that's just for your voice. It, it can so you can hone in on your voice, cancel out any uh, background noise and wind, uh, suppresses any wind noise and all that. So your phone calls are actually pretty clear. So that's another big tick for the LG Tone Free FN7s. If you want to read more about our review, check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, JBL, uh, we've moved on from Bluetooth earphones to Bluetooth speakers now, and JBL has just released the Charge 5 Bluetooth speaker, which can play for up to 20 hours. I reckon that's impressive. 20-hour battery life. So you can take this thing anywhere. Naturally, it's pretty rugged design. It's got an IPX67 rating, so this can even handle being submerged in water. So if you drop this in a pool or at the beach or in a lake or whatever – you are still good to go. So with that rugged design, uh, whether it's the beach or the bush, the Charge 5 is right up your alley. So being JBL, of course, offers the company's trademark original pro sound. Uh, it does have the the their, their also iconic racetrack-shaped drivers. They've got a separate tweeter, also have dual passive radiators, one on each end. So it's kind of a cylindrical shape, but it does have a flat base. So it's meant to sit long way. So it's meant to sit horizontally. It's not gonna it's not gonna balance vertically. Uh, unlike other speakers, but this uh, JBL will sit, it does have a flat base, uh, and under that flat base is also where you'll find the port to charge the speaker itself, uh, and also a USB to ch- USB port to charge your phone as well. So you can pair, you, you can charge your, your phone as well. Uh, so you've got 20 hours of playback. That's, that's a big battery on board, so uh, you can charge your other mobile devices on board. But the this is... What I like about JBL is that they really think of the customer and what they want to do with the speaker. So in this case, take it anywhere. So it's rugged. Uh, The other thing you can do is also pair two smartphones or tablets to the speaker at the same time. So imagine this setup where, say, you and a friend or your partner whatever, both of you can pair to the speaker 
and then take turns in playing songs. I've, I've done that before. It's really a lot of fun. Did it with my daughter many times where we've got the same speaker. You know, obviously I'm showing her music from from my era, and she's then playing her favorite music. It, it was a lot of fun having that ability. You could do that with the JBL Charge Five, where uh, you just take turns. You can have two two phones paired or tablets paired at the same time and then take turns playing DJ so you can play your favorite songs through the speaker and then when it's the other when that song's finished then it's the other person's turn to play their favorite songs as well there's also on board JBL party boost now this is a feature that means you can connect the charge 5 to other compatible JBL portable speakers so say you uh, are at the same, at down the beach or at a party or whatever with a friend and they've got another JBL speaker, you can pair them together. So you can just boost that sound. Imagine having about eight of these paired together. I think uh, you can create quite a bit of sound. You can really pump up the sound at your next party. The JBL Charge 5 Bluetooth portable speaker, it's available now. It's priced at $229.95. And if you want to read that complete review or report, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our good friends at Belkin. They've released a few products lately where you can uh, buy devices, uh, products that can hold your AirTags, or you can buy the magnetic attached devices for your iPhone 12 to charge, to keep them in place, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, I had a few people asking about Samsung devices, and the there was a common issue that I found. Uh, the, the issue was if you have your Wi-Fi turned on and your mobile data turned on, it was sometimes hard to open certain apps, which I found unusual. And normally, you just keep your Wi-Fi on. Uh, so if you're at home on Wi-Fi, you don't need your mobile, but the mobile data, and vice versa. If you're out in the world, you need mobile if you don't have Wi-Fi. So having to go back and forth to turn one or the other off really wasn't an option and shouldn't be an option. Uh, so I did a bit of investigating and found that if you simply reset the network, so reset your network settings on your Samsung device, that will usually resolve the issue. The other thing you can do is to remove your SIM card and then put it back in again. So what that means, it'll force the phone to look for a signal again once the SIM card is back in the phone. The other thing uh, you can do is to also flick on airplane mode. So it, that turns off the mobile radios 
turn it back on, that'll then find the networks again. That's actually something I've done with iPhones in the past where you're not getting a signal for some reason, just needs a bit of a boot. So I turn it to airplane mode, turn it, turn it airplane mode off again, it searches for the networks and usually nine times out of 10, it does find the network. It's just like it has a little, has a little bit of a, a fizzle and then it comes back online. In many cases with mobile devices, and I talk to so many people on the radio and a lot of people email me about their phone problems, you know what? Nine times out of 10, it's because your phone hasn't been turned off for like weeks or months at a time. And little things creep in, like you might not hear the phone ring or you might not get the chime for your message or these little things creep in. And this has worked, this has solved so many issues. I often ask people, how long have you had your phone on? When's the last time you turned your phone off? And most of the time they say, oh, I never turn it off. It's on all the time. Well, turn it off, turn it back on again. That works in many cases. Me, personally, I turn my phone off every night. I don't have it in my bed. I turn it off, leave it in my office, and go. So every day it's got a reboot. So if you are seeing these little issues creep up in your on your mobile device, then maybe all you need to do is to turn it off and back on again. And that is our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you need to find out any more, you can find it at techguide.com.au. Everything we've spoken about, of course, is on the website. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us too, we do love to hear from you. Send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. We want to thank our sponsors. Our sponsors are Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back next week with another show so until then stay safe and stay connected <music>